Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If we are going to uproot generational trauma, it takes a generation to do that. So maybe oh, we should stand up and be the generation that, that does a that. Word. It is our job to then learn from the decisions we did not make, but were able to observe the consequences of. And this is why we always say sisterhood is important. Yeah. 100. Because nobody can hold a woman accountable like another woman. The opposite is also true. Mm. Nobody can hold a man accountable like another man. It took a generation to break something down. It's mm. going to take a generation to, to build it back yeah. up. Hello and welcome to the To My Sisters podcast. I'm Renee. And I'm Courtney. And we are your online sisters and hosts of the To My Sisters podcast. Now we are all about promoting the wellness, growth and development of a community of sisters across the world. And in today's conversation, we are finally talking about mummy issues yes we have hinted at it here and there brought it up in various conversations but now we are going to explore it and dig deep we have talked about daddy issues but let's talk about its lesser known counterpart okay so we're going to be talking about what exactly mummy issues are how they arise and also how they manifest in our lives and in our relationships so sis brace yourself share this with another sister because we are about to get into it get into the rocket ship but before we do oh it's a what ding 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 dilemma Yes, one of the sisters is in need of help, and here we are with our capes on, ready. Come on now, to help Cape. with our glow and grow serum. So, hey sisters, hey. I can't <laughs> overstate how much I love your platform. So amazing to see you, ladies, killing it holistically. May you continue to glow and grow in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Yes, Amen. Lord. Amen. Let the church, <laughs> let the church rise. <laughs> Okay, so here's the dilemma. I was dating a lovely gentleman recently Mm -hmm. and things were going well. We were getting to know each other as you do and we had really honest conversation about boundaries, expectations, Mm. attachment styles, long-term goals, all the things you discuss when dating intentionally. He was doing all the right things. We both really liked each other and had discussed dating exclusively. Mm -hmm. Anyway, by week three of us dating, he expressed to me that he had certain reservations about whether I would be able to give him the level of acts of service that he needed. I was confused by this because our commitment level to one another, in my opinion, was not at a stage where I felt I could go above and beyond. And that's not to say that I never did anything for him. I did what I felt was appropriate by way of emotional support, etc. because I never want to do the most, get attached and then get heartbroken. I explained this to him and told him that the lengths I will go to, of course, depend on our commitment level. Mm. 
Mm. I.e., I will do more for my boyfriend and then more for a husband Mm. than someone I'm simply dating. Long story short, he decided to end things because of this. But he couldn't explain to me what exactly he was expecting of me at this early stage. Mm. It made me wonder whether one of the other girls he was dating had been cooking for him every day or something. It also made me wonder whether my career played a part in his assumption. I'm a lawyer by profession, a pop artist. Okay. I'm a I'm a lawyer by profession, and he had previously mentioned to me that his best friend Mm -hmm. told him that my career might make me abrasive slash argumentative. Anyway, (laughs) I say all this to ask: Are there gestures you can think of that are romantic things to do for men without going overboard? So I can bear these things in mind going forward with new dates Mm. what is the male equivalent of getting flowers in the post in all honesty i am used to being and expect to be pursued and when dating i pretty much allow the man to make the first and most of the moves whilst i reciprocate here and there i'm also open to your commentary and opinions on the scenario love you both kiss kiss Hey girl, first of all, that was one of the most eloquent dilemmas I have ever listened Very to. Very nicely put. Very detailed, but succinct. It was last <laughs> um, reviewing. Do you know what I mean? It was giving, it was the giving. writing style. Listen, you know me, I'm a writer, so I love like just very well put things that wow. was a very well i can very tell you're a lawyer put. sis that was very very well written very true. um <clears throat> now back yeah, to the hand that, yeah i gotta clear my throat because <laughs> there's, there's a number of components there that we need to discuss mm-hmm. first of all the surmises that this is a lovely gentleman well it's interesting that we're actually delving into mummy issues today because okay. when i was Doing my research Mm. for this episode in particular, a lot of the literature around mother issues is tied towards men and all that kind of stuff. So it was a real dig to find how it affects women. I mentioned this because some of the things that you described, I'm not a therapist. (laughs) Some of the things that you described here were actually indicative or in some ways show that there was some kind of, I don't want to do too much here as well. But in terms of like mother issues in men, one of the big signs of like having a motherly or maternal issue is Mm. the expectance of servitude from your partners that matches the level that you received from your mother. Okay. Particularly when your mother overstepped those boundaries and did everything for you. I mentioned it because I just thought it was interesting. But first of all, sis, I think that you're not mad. (laughs) Let's just clarify things. You're not mad. I think wanting and expressing that you desire some form of commitment Mm. and expressing exactly what that commitment looks like as a means of kind of security or as a means of um, communicating that these are the environments in which you feel comfortable enough to reciprocate at that level is important. And I think you, from what I've heard, you've done that reasonably well. 100%. I think there is the larger societal as well as general issue insofar as like, what is the boundary of a woman doing too much? Because Mm. we've just come out of a period where femininity, the hallmarks of femininity is always doing the most, right? Serving, cooking. I love the fact that you mentioned cooking because there's a lot of sisters. It's date three and you're cooking. You're in the the kitchen. What? Yeah. You're in the kitchen (laughs) and now you're doing all of his meals. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. So I think we need to, we do need to make a distinction between the actual act of service here and the level at which it's expected. Mm. Because it's one thing to cook a meal every now and then, but it's another thing to expect an act of service 
repeatedly without commitment. Right. So I think in terms of how you articulated yourself, I think that was fine. Mm. Now, on the other hand, the fact that the guy could not express exactly what it is that he wanted from you, Mm. I think can be a bit of a red flag, especially so early on. How can you expect so much, but be able to articulate so So little? little. Like, how am I supposed to? That's a very good point. Why is there the expectance of intuitive acts of service? Mm. You're not his mother. You're not his family. Mm. You're not his wife, which you made the point of saying. Mm. And the fact that you guys have only been dating for three weeks. Oh, God. Auntie. To be honest, I I kind of understand. I think if you're a particular age, obviously Mm. you don't know what age you are. But Mm. I think when people date when they're older or like into their career, there's less of like the dilly dally beating around the bushes yeah. it's more of like can we because like she mentioned intentional dating mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. we see this going long term yeah yeah um so i kind of get where where she's coming from but i do really like that you said being able to articulate so little and also not giving enough room to be like i've expressed myself let me see how we can compromise based on the fact that now you've expressed yourself in mm. response to that. But also let me give you some room to to grow and evolve because it's really only been three weeks. It's only been three weeks. And as you said, there's been no commitment. Yes. I think commitment is important. Massively. Huge. Massively. You can't expect a lot of, like we expect so much from people without commitment. It's almost like he wants all the benefits of being in a committed partnership without the commitment, which is an issue. It's funny because literally this morning I was listening to a sermon about like love, lust, commitment, mm. all of that kind of stuff. And um, it was by a, a preacher called Timothy Keller. He's actually mm, fantastic. He's great. Fantastic guy. Um, and talking about the importance of commitment yeah. in servitude. Yeah. Because it's only once you have a solid commitment that you can feel comfortable enough to really give yourself. Say it again. Right? In the same way that we think about, at least for us as Christians, knowing that God is committing to us Mm. means that we can comfortably give ourselves away. You better preach that. Exegete that word. (laughs) You don't get up out of here. (laughs) (laughs) We live in a world where we have now done away with commitment as a precursor to servitude Mm. and it's such a problem and to intimacy and to intimacy and that's why we have so many broken relationships that's why we have a lot of us particularly as women Mm. right who are feeling insecure or Mm. feeling as though we're going to get our heart broken because Mm. we don't have that same commitment Mm. that okay if you if we're going to do this I know for a fact that I can feel comfortable enough to express myself and love you because you have committed to me yeah And I think especially now we do have the rise of like, you know, red pill culture and like men talking about what they want from women. I think that for a woman to feel comfortable enough, enough to quote unquote submit, Mm. you got to commit. Big time. You got to commit. And I think like for me, I'm tired of this whole culture of shaming women that are like, oh, I want a commitment. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. At all. That's not a bad thing. It's It's actually fine to want a commitment. 100%. And And it's the right thing. And it's the right thing. So I don't think that there was anything wrong in so far as like you expressing yourself and saying that you want to give this level of servitude, but you require a commitment. I think the issue was my good sir, the lovely gentleman, was not able to articulate exactly why he wanted these things at this level and what exactly it is that he wanted. Mm. And the fact that you even went... Like in your mind, you were thinking about, oh, was she cooking for him and stuff like that? That's the classic example, right? Cooking for him, you know, doing his laundry, descaling fish at his mother's house. (laughs) Classic. All of that kind of jazz. Um, So yeah, I don't think there was an issue with that or you there. 
Mm. Moving on to this whole commentary from his best friend who, for all intents and purposes, he should mind his business. But more importantly... and argumentative. Why is this man coming to tell her this is what his best friend said about her? Mm. Because... Wow, you really inspect things deep. I didn't even think of that. But this is a good point. You guys have been dating, and this is not to say that there's no mandate for you to share things with your best friend. Mm. But there are, in terms of like privacy, building intimacy, building trust... You're only three weeks in and this guy is now telling you that his this is what his best friend thinks yeah. of you. It's like, yeah. dude. And that he's internalized that and he's using that to, he's attributing your behavior to that. And I think Precisely. that this is a lot of the things that like women who are professionals and educated particularly mm. get confronted with. Mm-mm-mm. She's going to be too mouthy. She's going to argue with you. She's, I remember speaking to a, a family member, mm. a man, and he was saying how, you know, I, I was expressing to him my desire to do further education. And he was like, Listen, men don't like women who know their rights. And I said, oh, red flags, red flags. Oh, wow. And we had an extensive conversation because it's not my family that would be disgracing yeah. the Um, And also presenting a danger to other women. <laughs> um, and so I think a lot of women kind of get this, get in this uh, catch-22, I'd yeah, say, yeah, yeah. of wanting to... They desire a relationship and they want to be with this person, but this person has kind of told them if you don't jump through these hurdles mm. and if you don't do these things, there are other people who are willing to do them. And I I think it's interesting with the the fact that she um sis brought up he's been dating other women who have been doing it. I think a lot of women then within themselves feel like, damn, I'm gonna lose out on another one. And he's a good guy. Should is I just do it? Should I just do it? Well, she started dating him. That's true. But is he really good? Like, but I feel like it's it's more of a thing of like, like you were talking about entitlements, right? He may actually be a good guy, but mm. he's entitled. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And fine, because fine. other people are serving um those needs and haven't laid those same boundaries that our sisters laid. Mm. Like, I want a commitment. These women, other women that may be cooking for him or that he's dating, they don't require that commitment. Yeah. If someone is showing you an easier path to get what you want, you're yeah. not gonna go with the person who's presenting hurdles and stuff like that until you recognize their value. I don't think he's individualized her. Yeah. I think he's yeah, looking yeah, yeah. for a wife. That's fair. That's Do you, fair. I think he's looking for a wife. He's looking for somebody who he's done what we often talk about women doing. Mm. He's created the caricature and the hidden shadow figure of a wife. And he's just looking for a woman who will fit that and without fit his criteria without the commitment. Because a lot of men are used to what that saying is drinking the milk without buying the cow yeah, is it? yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of milk are, a, a lot of milk a lot of men are used to that yeah um and so when a woman comes along who can fit that caricature by saying i'm not that caricature i'm an individual person determine determine whether you like me or not mm. it's kind of like nah, i like this caricature and other women have proven to me that they're happy to fill that place so you're presenting too much of a challenge stop that before you lose me and they kind of weaponize that I'm going to leave if you don't change. Mm, 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 And mm, mm. I think a lot of women fall into the issue of now being scared that they'll be single, being scared that they're now losing out on another romantic partner and think, do I conform or am I going to be single forever? Um, But I like the element here of what is the equivalent of getting men flowers? I like that question too. I like it. Um, I think it is actually highly dependent on the man that you're dating. So the first thing that I would say is don't be afraid to actually ask because obviously, you know, in the same way that some women 
don't like flowers. Yeah, like some me. men. You don't like flowers. I think they smell disgusting. <laughs> I I some don't think flowers smell, smell nice. nice. I don't think flowers smell nice I'm at all. Um, I also just think these are gonna die. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but the, the, one the gesture is, is nice. the thought no but the gesture of anything and the that's thought of behind anything is nice that's true um i'm more of an experiential person i'm Fine. more of like a buy me a gift buy me mm. food if you're trying to buy me a gift thing buy me food i just the sentiment of flowers is not there for me yeah no i hear it yeah i hear it i love flowers if anyone would like to send me flowers <laughs> i love flowers <laughs> shall i tell you guys my favorite <laughs> <laughs> In the hope that I'll be receiving flowers this <laughs> week. Tell you guys so favorite. I actually like blue roses yeah. because they're very, very distinctive and it's like you can't get them easily. And yeah. it's like, oh, they're pretty. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> In terms of <laughs> the, <laughs> the equivalent for men, um, I love what you said about experiences. Yeah. Take a guy out. Yeah. Pay for the date this yeah. time. You know, small things like that. Yeah. Or Knowing if you know there's things that they like, like mm. if they like um going quad biking, why don't you just pay for him and like a friend to go yeah. quad biking? Or um it can be a smaller gesture of like, you know, give him a um oh one of my favorites is uh takeaway. Mm. Twenty pounds or thirty pounds delivery voucher. Go mm. get yourself something nice to eat after yeah. work. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be anything major or huge or, or anything, but it can be something that's like, oh, I'm thinking of you and this is how you're feeling throughout the day. Yeah. Let me try and add to that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be you out here slaving away in the kitchen, making him his dinner, all of that jazz. It no. can be those kind of small things. Pay for his haircut, you know? Yeah. Um things that he does in his day to day that like adds to him yeah. as a person. Yeah. Um depending on where you guys are at, you know, buy him a new like game, FIFA, something like that. Yeah. Put as much effort mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. these things, mm-hmm. you know, ask him about his interests. Yeah. Seek to get to know the things that he actually likes. I think even just showing someone, I want to get to know you mm. is really nice and romantic. For sure. And so invest that time and that effort, um, which it seems like you were doing. It's just unfortunate that this guy was a little bit of a prick. Yeah. <laughs> but sis you're clearly a catch and i think that you shouldn't especially towards your point on career don't ever think that your career makes you a caricature of the modern woman mm. that is difficult to handle mm. and is asking for too much right. and i've seen so much of that and i'm just like guys get it together so redundant get stupid. it together yeah a hundred percent in this economy surely you want somebody <laughs> that's making pee or that somebody is that's this ambitious is or this is it and it's just like this is so tangential but a lot of people think about partner 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 but if you are thinking of like actively building a family yeah you also need to be thinking can this person actually mother my kids as yeah. well is this person gonna fit like when we're thinking about finances like remember like in one of our earlier episodes thinking about the family unit as a system of governance can this person fit into those multiple roles or are they like willing to yeah. go the distance to get there and it's like a woman that's interested in career, a woman that's actually financially yeah. motivated, a woman that's like handy in different areas. Yeah. Aside from submissive, yeah, there's other qualities that go into that submission yeah. that will be handy to you. And there are other arenas and environment outside of your relationship where you can seek out these qualities in the sense that like w- men will often be like, how am I going to know she's maternal? She doesn't mother me. Look at the people around her. Yeah her life is not now centered around you because you're dating. Mm. So if you want to see 
is she clean for example look at her home look at what she does for, how does she serve the people in her life for 100. example what how what's her dedication like to community what's mm-hmm, her dedication mm-hmm. like i love that you mentioned somebody who was goal and um goal goal-oriented and career-driven, you can see these are qualities and characteristics which will easily translate into her own home where she is invested. It doesn't just have to be shown to you. It's like, ah, she's not affectionate with me. She might not be affectionate with you because she's drawing romantic boundaries, but is she affectionate with her friends? If she is, pretty much, she's probably... Chances are she's probably an affectionate person. She's just drawing boundaries with you. Yep. So don't take it so personally and as an indication of her own character mm. because she hasn't done X, Y, Z for me. She There's must levels. not be this person. There's, There's levels. levels and you don't get you don't get access to the wife in me until you make me a wife. For the, people at, for the, for the people at the back. Because that's exactly what this culture is. <laughs> this generation is about. And also this whole, it's the cooking and cleaning for me. Some These are basic Go things you need to get a maid. Know. If that's Damn. what you need, Damn. get a maid. Damn, oh, Courtney, what? I left my maid hat at home. <laughs> Damn. Has he got your maid outfit on? <laughs> <laughs> I left it at home. I was coming to see you, but I left it at home. I'm sorry. Hey, Molly, the maid. I see you got your maid outfit on. <laughs> Jocelyn Hernandez is hilarious. She's so but funny. yeah, um, oh, I'm loving hip hop Atlanta. May, may. But yeah, listen sis it's all right it's okay it's all good when you meet that next guy i think you've done the right thing i think you can't obviously paint all men with the same brush either just because you've experienced this with this person doesn't mean Mm. the next guy is going to be the same Mm -hmm. the same way you inspected what's your love language is what are your particular needs what have you been through what's your story do that with the next person and tailor it towards that don't do anything beyond which you are comfortable with don't cross your own boundaries and inspect their behavior as well but Mm. also compromise talk it out yeah build healthy and flourishing relationships in dating courting whatever it is that you're doing um and pay attention to him too men like that i saw a post the other day from um like things men wish women knew yeah and somebody's like sometimes we like to be the little spoon or the inside spoon yeah the inside spoon yeah and i was like oh that's so cute anyway they won't say it in public they won't and that's the thing and that's why you got a I think what's so beautiful about the romantics, uh, a romantic relationship is it is an environment for vulnerability. So as long as you let them know, like you can, you can talk to me, mm. whatever you need. And yeah, that's we it. We got it. We got it. Go forth and prosper. Go forth and You'll be fine. You actually be fine. <laughs> well, into today's main conversation. I am so excited for this. I don't think you understand. Ooh, I'm mummy so issues. excited. Mummy issues. Let's go. I'm ready. <clears throat> yeah, you better clear your throat, sis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you better, you better exhale anything so, that's blocking your throat. <laughs> so when it comes to mummy issues, yeah. Firstly, they are not spoken of often. Not even a little bit. Very rarely. Nope. The mummy issues doesn't even have a ring to it compared mm-hmm. to daddy issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Daddy issues, you've heard it in films, you've heard it on Oprah, mm-hmm. you've heard it literally everywhere. Yep. Daddy issues. Mummy issues, not so much. Why do you think that is? Well, <laughs> it's very interesting. Okay, go because on. Because I think, less. so first of all, daddy issues, um, the where it arose from, mm. like historically, 
We can go back to around, you know, the time that Mr. Sigmund Freud was coming in with his mm-hmm. psychology and all that kind of stuff and the whole idea of the Oedipus complex mm-hmm. and ETC. With daddy issues centering men and how particularly when we think of daddy issues, we often think of like women because it was primarily championed by men. Often there is an idea or uh, assumption that mothers and women are naturally maternal. Right. Therefore, there's always the assumption that women are always present. Right. Therefore, there's always the assumption that like, there's not really an issue. Right. And there isn't a correct way to mother or parent as a woman because that's what you are. It's instinctual. Whereas for men, it's more of a, ah, this there's negotiation around it. Right. Because men are also seen as providers. Men are also seen as being and occupying, you know, public domains. So when daddy issues arose, it wasn't even necessarily out of a critique for men per se, mm. but more so a critique for women, women. and used to actually weaponize their issues with their father or their relations with their whoever men in their life so it was used primarily as a function to invalidate women's experiences primarily to make women feel as though without that stable male presence in their life there's an issue yeah because we rarely hear daddy issues as part of like when we're talking about men and their issues psychologically right as opposed to it being an afterthought right it's like oh okay men you know daddy issues too yeah what's so interesting about that is oftentimes daddy issues in women Mm. is highlighted because a woman is not functioning correctly precisely romantic oftentimes romantic or maternal relationship with another man precisely do you know what i mean so the issue is why as a woman are you not acting right for this man it must be because of another man precisely precisely and then thinking about historically the movements towards okay let's now understand other marginalized communities Mm. issues things started to crop up like the electro complex where we're now looking at the mirroring of okay mother issues as present in men right But then this whole relationship between mother and daughter remains for a large part unexamined Mm. because first of all, where is the fun in it? The whole (laughs) assumption that, you know, maternal, motherly, all that Mm. kind of stuff. And that most of the majority of the problems actually come from men. Yeah. But that is such an issue because it erases a whole like spectrum of issues that come as a result of dysfunctional Mm. relationships with your primary caregiver surely if the mother is seen as like the primary caregiver in so many scenarios that relationship needs to be examined and that relationship needs to be highlighted even more because we have so many like cultural narratives of mothers being the you know carriers of the nation yeah being you know the the center of like the world and all of that kind of stuff it's so interesting that these things are seen as instinctual these Mm. things are are seen as like not needing that same examination yeah yeah. and it was really interesting because even looking at mother issues like being the nerd that i I am and looking into like psychology papers like last week and this week there's so few Mm. like so few actual studies on like the relationship between mother and daughter yeah and it's kind of sad that even in you know intellectual debates academic spaces cultural spaces Mm -hmm. Even these kind of issues, these kind of things are often created in ways that do not allow for the holistic development of women. Mm. Because if I wanted to understand more about a woman, Mm. surely I would, I wouldn't even think about the father first. Mm. I would have to go and see what other women that have shown you maternal love 
have impacted the way that you are yeah. now. So I think it's a combination of various things. Yeah. Patriarchy obviously being one of, of them. Course. Um, this idea of like it being culturally normative to invalidate women's experiences mm. by pointing to the missing men or the dysfunctional yeah. men in their lives. Yeah. And also a lack of genuine interest in understanding these key dynamics despite mm. their importance. Mm, that is so good. You explained that so well. I think what's interesting about what it is that you've said is, especially when you look at so many studies into attachment style and stuff like that, and mm. the determination of your attachment style being the relationship between you and your primary caregiver, mm. the prim- primary caregiver historically most likely being the mother. Yeah. It is very interesting to see that there is no real insight into what if you have a mother who is dis- dysfunctional? Yeah. What happens when that relationship is actually fractured? And I think, like you said, drawing on this idea that women have this natural instinct to be mothers yeah. and to yeah. be nurturing, but not really taking into play outside of this biological fact, quote unquote, there are social factors which actually impact your ability to nurture Mm. and whether you actually desire to do that. And I think people, especially with women, they do not take enough um, notice into what are the environmental factors, like you're saying, what are the environmental factors Mm. that could stop you from actually becoming nurturing or that could stop and nurturing not in terms of it impeding a biological, like a chemical response, but more so a relational one. Like, what is what are the things that you could have gone through that would stop you from actually having fulfilling healthy relationships not just to the people you are providing care for yeah but also just the people around you and to mm. community in general mm. and i think that those things are oftentimes just not inspected yeah because like you said and i think that freudian theory has actually done a bit of damage yeah because i think this idea that like i don't really side with a lot of what freud has said yeah but i do think that positioning everyone's uh issues as kind of cross-dimensional where it's like if a son has a problem it's because he's in love with his mom if a daughter has a problem it's because she's in love with her dad it's like there's no single pass of relations in a household Mm. actually everything is so crossed over Mm -mm -mm. that there needs to be more research into something that, for example, we often talk about sibling relationships. Yeah. Rarely explored apart from the like well-known oldest child issues yeah. right? or yeah, middle yeah. child issues, you know, but what about relationally, not just within your birth order, relationally, how do external social issues impact your ability to function within your family? Mm-hmm. Your relationship with your primary caregiver, yeah. your mother, is yeah. a massive one. Your mom. Whether you're a man or a woman. So then that kind of takes us into talking about... Come on now. How does mummy issues manifest? Let me put on my glasses for this one. I took some notes. <laughs> All right. So talk to us. How? <laughs> let's take it firstly with the lesser spoken about. How do mummy issues manifest in women? And Y'all. then we'll go blows to blows with the men. The man them. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. So general introduction. Okay. I really treated this like an essay. Go on. So according to attachment theory, mm-hmm. um, early attachments form our internal templates and mental representations of how relationships work in the world. Mm-hmm. So without therapy or intervention, these mental representations tend to be relatively stable, mm-hmm. which means that whatever attachment or whatever you've kind of like gone through with both parents become our 
mental representation of the world. 100%. Just to preface that some of the things that you are dealing with that seem normative, yeah. it's because of the representations that you've had as a kid interacting with your parents, right. particularly with your mothers, because right. they're usually the people that you interact with the most 100%. as a kid. And if you want more information about attachment theory, just search Bowlby's attachment theory and you'll find it. Absolutely. So in understanding how these things manifested, I did a deep dive into the different types of mothers mm. or different types of like motherly attachment styles mm. and what could be the um, outcome of such yeah. kind of like parenting styles. So the first is the caricature of the unloving mother, mm -hmm. the mother who doesn't have any kind of like emotional availability, mm. despite being present in the household for mm. the majority of the time. Um, the mother does, that doesn't care to show any of the love languages as they've been established, whether right. it be physical touch, whether right. it be um, acts of service. If you growing up ever felt like a burden to your mother, mm -hmm. then that can result in debilitating confidence issues right. and an inability to actively, first of all, receive love because you've never received it. Okay. And secondly, give love because mm -hmm. you've never seen it. Mm -hmm. So when your primary, primary caregiver is unable to give you love or show you love or gives you any kind of emotional neglect, that's what that results in. Right. And on the very, very extreme end, that has been a pivot, studies have shown this has been a pivotal piece to um, involvement in crime later on. Yeah. You guys know that we are fans of Criminal Minds around <laughs> here. watching that this morning. Yo, but one of the kind of like critical... Um, indicators or factors of say a serial killer or somebody that's involved in like very very um violent crime is emotional and um any kind of neglect particularly from the mother yeah so if you are a female as well this goes for you too if yeah. you've been neglected by your mother actively yeah. then that that's what that can manifest into 100%. right then we have the overly critical mother. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to, you know, your mother criticizing what you wear, what you do, how you say things, um, your weight, the way you look, your coloring, mm. all that kind of stuff. That can lead to debilitating insecurities, mm. anxiety, depression, and it can also lead to a need for validation elsewhere. Yeah. And this can become really, really dangerous because validation from a maternal figure is so, so important because that's how we start to come to grips with actually having any sense of self, right. any sense of confidence. Right. So if the first person to give you any semblance of your identity mm -hmm. critiques you, mm -hmm. that becomes the center of yeah. your identity critique. So good. Insecurity. So good. Um, never really feeling satisfied yeah. or happy with yourself always feeling the need to prove yourself as though you've got that voice in your head that's saying you're not good enough right that started with your mother right. particularly as women where you may feel like you know you hate what you wear you hate your skin you hate you know your features you hate whatever and mm. the thing is in terms of the overly critical mother sometimes mm. mothers don't realize the impact of their criticism because yeah. they too have actually been a victim of that yeah. either within their own household or so like socially yeah so for example for us as black women you might have um a mother that's dealing with self-hate and has you know a child that is not light-skinned or has yeah. you know textural differences with their yeah. hair those little things can really, really impact their kids later on mm. to the point where they either manifest that self-hate towards other people or their own kids or towards themselves right. um, or actively are not able to accept any semblance of themselves. Right. So that's the uh, overly critical mother. Oh, yeah. 
The next caricature that I found mm. really interesting, sorry, I'm coming through all, for all of you Go systematically, <laughs> is um, the overly friendly mother. Mm. So the mother that is not trying to be a mother, but trying to be mm. your friend, that's trying to go out with you to the club or is out here hanging with your friends a bit too much. Um, it's nice to have a friendly mother, yeah. but it's really important that you learn certain emotional, um, emotionally stable behaviors from your mother and your maternal fi- um, figures. Mm. So if you have an overly friendly mother, chances are you find it difficult creating boundaries for yourself yeah. because your mother was unable to show you how to do that. Yeah. You might also find that you're more rebellious. You might mm. find that you're actively doing things that, you know, a lot of folks maybe um, are not allowed to do yeah. and think that you're the cool friend for doing that. When really a lot of the things that you're doing is to actively get, um, some kind of response from your mother, not yeah. as a friend, but as a parent. parent yeah. Um, and then rocky relationship with your mother or lack of mother's presence altogether. Mm. That can manifest in a lack of female friendships. Yes. So when you don't have that maternal figure, when you don't have a strong relationship with, with your mother in general, mm-hmm. it can be really difficult for you to connect with females yeah. because you didn't have that connection with your mother earlier yes. on, particularly as a woman. Yeah. This can manifest in, you know, those girls that are like, oh, I don't really have that many female friends. I'm more right. of a guy's girl. Da, right. da, da, da. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> you just, <laughs> there's an issue. Chances are you have mother's <laughs> issues. And then to also wrap up, I guess, mm. the caricatures of the different mothers, mm. the single mother. Yeah. So with the single mother, chances are you've normalized hyper-independence. You've normalized this whole idea of I can do things by myself. You've normalized that it's okay to be alone. And you also might have trouble articulating your emotions because your mother never never did or showed you how to. And what I found really interesting about the single mother dynamic is a lot of women Mm. end up resenting men as a result of their mother's resentment for their father. A hundred percent. And a lot of people misattribute that to the absent father Mm. when actually, when we think of like, for those who grow up in single parent households in terms of like how the mother speaks about the father, a lot negative Negative. because he dipped. A hundred percent. Or because he's not present. So that resentment towards men is actually not just a daddy issue. In fact, primarily it's a mother mother issue. issue. But I end my speech there. That was that was long. That <laughs> was amazing and spot on. Amazing and spot on. Thank you, Dr. Renee. I'm screaming. She is not a licensed therapist. I am not a licensed therapist. I'm just an amazing researcher. <laughs> um, that is so spot on. I think what one thing that I really took from that is what is demonstrated to you. Like you said, with the single mother, the absent mother, Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. it's very interesting. Or even the mother that is overly friendly. Yeah. When you see these demonstrations through, and I think it's, especially as women through as a sisterhood community, Mm. when you see these demonstrations of what a woman should be or what a man should be, Mm -hmm. these are what you create and kind of construct your world around these observations that you make from such a young age, actually from the time that you were born. And so when you do see your mother doing something, either you completely replicate that or you repel that. You don't, you hate it. And I think it's important to really inspect, even as an activity for yourself, sis, what did my mother show me? Mm. Not just what did she teach me and what did she tell me? What did she show me? Because I think there can also be a uh, disconnect 
between the two obviously do as i as i say not as i do but what your parents do is Mm. what will impact you the most and oftentimes it will be what you mirror the most and so i think it's as women one thing that we really do need to sit down and really get our head around it's not necessarily the emotions we have towards our mother because i think a lot of us can have positive feelings towards our mother especially if your mother was the present one yeah however it doesn't mean that it was without dysfunction Mm. and also on the flip side there are also a lot of women who do not have positive feelings towards their mother and i think they then need to assess why why do I have these feelings? And even if those feelings have never gone addressed or acknowledged by yourself, it's so important to actually inspect them because mm. you may not know that you may have deep rooted or deep seated anger yeah. towards a present parent. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't really inspect nope. because they think absence, anger, mm. of course, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. I should rightfully be angry at you, mm-hmm. you left. What about the parent that stayed? Yeah. It doesn't mean that because they stayed that they were fully present. Yeah. That they were emotionally available, that they were attentive to what it is that you needed, or that you had a functional relationship with them, full stop. And this goes both ways for men and women. So, yes. Now let's get into how does it manifest for men? Boy, oh boy. I think those caricatures that you illustrated, Mm -hmm. so perfect. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. perfect. I think it covers a lot of bases. And sis, if you feel like it didn't, definitely leave below what you think we missed out. We missed out. For sure. Um, But I think what's very interesting in this relationship that men have with their mothers, Mm -hmm. and we kind of touched on it in our um, eldest sibling episode, where we were talking about parentification. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes I find that men can be parentified, but oftentimes they are more so made into their parent's spouse Mm -hmm. primarily, Mm -hmm. right? Especially Mm -hmm. if your father is emotionally absent. Mm -hmm. And this is oftentimes the example we go to because we think it's the example most people can relate to. Yeah. Um, If you have an emotionally unavailable or absent father, you can, as a man, step into that role of husband. And I think there is also, um, I sympathize because I think, especially when women are younger when they're girls they are matured quite quickly i think men also experience the same thing depending on your household structure i think especially for men in certain cultures they are adultified Mm -hmm. very quickly Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of like you're a man prove your masculinity prove your madhood how does masculinity and the experience of being a man how is it shaped by mothers Hmm. Oh, the big questions. They're taking all the big questions today. I'm really <laughs> excited. Um, mother's issues. So mm. I'm sure everybody is super, super aware of the term mummy's boys yeah. and all that kind of stuff. There's a number of ways that motherly issues and mothering can really impact men, their development, all of that jazz. Mm. I think the easiest and most culturally um known one is the one that I mentioned earlier on yeah. in the dilemma, insofar as the normalization of females acting without boundaries right and in certain cultures this whole idea of like wanting a woman that is submissive wanting Mm. a woman that you know caters to you know their every need right and i think if you come from particularly certain cultures i'm thinking of like african cultures where if you're like a first son or if you're a son in general the the value of being a son means that 
you have all of your needs catered for. Mm. You are, you know, the golden child. You mm. are the the name carrier. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because tangential, but that can also impact in terms of like across uh, horizontally. Yeah. If you do have siblings, yeah. how they see you as well as like a source of resentment yeah. because you are getting all of that attention from your parents, but specifically your mother. mother. Um, so that really does impact men and impact what they're looking for. Um, hashtag Oedipus complex, mm. I suppose. Insofar as they're looking for women to go above and beyond with no real commitment because the bond between mother and son is such that as a mother, particularly those that do the absolute most for their son, because of that cultural relevance of the son, because they love their son, because they've attributed and projected a lot of their value onto their son, the son becomes the golden child. Yeah. And the, the the man that he turns into is the man that's looking for his mother in his spouse. Yes. Yes. So that's Spot probably on. the one of the most common uh, manifestations of mother Spot issues on. others as you were saying parentification this whole stepping up to be the father of the household yeah. now making all of these decisions now yeah. um being the husband i've seen so many and this is not a you know this or anything like mm. that to put anyone down but even the language that we use around like sons like hey little man yeah a lot of women calling their you know their their children little yeah. men yeah he's not he's not a man a he's just a boy He's a boy and you should allow him to be that. And this whole idea of like wanting him to grow up to be a real man, a better man. I hear it, Mm. but I think it's really important. And this is why functional families are important, right? I think that for a man to become a functional man, he does need healthy male figures. And I think that this whole idea, this, it may be controversial, it Mm -hmm. may not. This whole idea that, you know, being a mother raising a son thinking that you're the be all and end all to this man's development i think is a problem it's terrible and (laughs) even if the father is not present let's Mm. not normalize single parenthood as the most effective and efficient way to parent a boy into a man even if it works even if it works okay you've been fed and all these are not the only things that go into raising a functional person precisely precisely so kudos to all of you know the single mothers out there kudos to like listen i hear it experienced all of that but let's not normalize that yes um other motherly issues as apparent in men is resentment towards women. Yeah. A lot of men hate women. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, they yeah. hate women. Yeah. They hate them. Yeah. Because they believe, particularly if you come from a household of any sort of abuse, whether it's mm. emotional abuse, physical abuse, because they've seen their mother take it, not necessarily just that their father has done it, but their mother has taken, taken it. it. They've now like they've got that mental imprint, mm. right? That mental representation that I mentioned earlier on, that's stable, that tells them I can find a woman that I can also be emotionally abusive to yeah. or physically abusive to and it's okay. Mm. They may not say it to themselves as an actual, I'm going to do this and yeah. it's okay. But mentally, the behavioral patterns are present. Yes. That's why there's the... You know, when people do certain things like, or abusers abuse, a lot of them don't realize it's abuse because that's the stable mental representation they have 
of a functioning relationship. Mm. So a lot of men have uh, have normalized abusive patterns towards women and don't know why it's a mother issue. Yes. Your mother took it. Yes. Your mother was unable to define those boundaries. Yep. And this is often why when Pete, you hear conversations that some, especially men who are kind of in this kind of incel, red pill, oh, masculinity, girl. dark side of mm-hmm. the internet, mm-hmm. a lot of the conversations that they have, what they will bring up is, Let's go and look at our mother's generation. Let's go and look at our grandmother's generation. Why do you think they were married for like 70 years? And whilst there are some truths in that, the truth is it pales in comparison to the illusion you're trying to create in your mind and also the thing that you're trying to ignore, which is your grandmother or your mother was a doormat. <laughs> and, what, what, and what is important actually to highlight Don't about that is not the failures of your mother or your... your uh, grandmother but it's actually what you absorbed and internalized Mm. to believe should happen in a romantic relationship and in a household that's what you should problematize your your parents your people in general we all make decisions in the moment yeah some of them good some of them bad Mm -hmm. it is our job to then learn from the decisions we did not make but were able to observe the consequences of yeah that's good that's good and so it is now then your responsibility to inspect those things and decide when you are presented with the choice making a informed and hopefully wise decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of men have taken those, and a lot of women have taken those examples yeah. and said, well, it worked for them. It doesn't mean it was right. Yes. And I think that that's where people keep going wrong. You keep bringing up these eras. First of all, the historical context is completely different. different. Somebody, I remember I was listening, I think it's Kev on stage who says this. Yeah. You're asking for, you know, marriages that were happening in the 1940s. Are you bringing 1940s kind of money? Bruh. <laughs> Are you bringing in Courtney, 1940s kind of money? Me, don't and the reason why I say that is in those times, mothers, grandmothers, mm-hmm. they could not work. So me leaving you, there are a lot of things hanging in the balance here, oh, mainly my sustenance and survival. This is 2021, beloved. Those things are not hanging Welcome in the balance the anymore. Welcome, Welcome to the present. And I think that that's where people, when we look at those communities, what you're romanticizing is something that actually is not a full picture. Absolutely. If you give yourself the full picture and the full context, you would realize that first of all, it is not a romantic image. It is not rosy. In fact, it is burnt and is falling to ashes. <laughs> Secondly, the that the context is completely different yeah. and it would not work now unless you fully want to have a woman who subscribes to those values which is why i get why people always say modern women are destroying our community it's not it's just that community at the time was synonymous with women being trampled over if you want to have a a society or a family that stays together Mm -hmm. oftentimes it was built upon the idea that the mother was just going to take everything go through every she's not going to raise any concerns any opinions she's just going to let the father establish a household on her back without question and that's how society is held together and then we get upset at the fact that we have women dealing with daddy issues mommy issues loads of things with mental health self-image xyz why is society falling apart oh it's the women's fault is it though it's everybody's fault, specifically. Is men. it though? If the men like, it's just it's it's an, it's a logical fallacy. 
It's actually a logical fallacy because if men are meant to be, you know, the center of the state, yes. the, you know, forerunners of progress in society and life, why do you now set the blame on women when things fall, when apart. Things fall apart? Why do you have such smoke for women? And also, why is it then the women's job to rebuild it? And like, for men to then take center stage. It's give again. and take, it's give and take. You know? <laughs> nibble and bite, <laughs> nibble and bite. Tits for Because I love the fact that you mentioned insofar as it's a completely different context. Mm-hmm. Bring 1940s money. Because 1940s money today that was sustaining both households in the present, bro, in fact, you should be taking three jobs as we're speaking. High paying ones. As you should be, as you... <laughs> this is not that And economy. even when we think about all of these redundant and quite frankly boring conversations Mm. around you know relationships (laughs) and the high value man the hvm right a lot of you are romanticizing as you said certain elements of these relationships Mm. without even trying to become the kind of person that occupies these spaces so you have all of this smoke you have all of this these demands towards women but are you the kind of man that actively out okay it makes sense that this is coming from you and vice versa vice versa and it's a manifestation of that kind of despise and anger towards women and i think when we deep below when we dig below the surface of that initial i love my mom we get it and this criticism is not you saying i hate you it's more so let me inspect the fact that this situation these feelings and emotions and this behavior is Mm multi-dimensional it's an iceberg there's so much sitting below the surface i think it's interesting in those kind of conversations about these like hvm and all of that stuff your 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 issue is women but you're not saying it your issue is not and this is why we always say sisterhood is important yeah because nobody can hold a woman accountable like another woman the opposite is also true Mm. nobody can hold a man accountable like another man and so if you're tired of women saying we want men to be xyz you start talking about it if you don't hold men accountable to healthier standards there is no point talking about women from a man's mouth yeah and the, and the reason why i say that is not oh stay out of women's business or you can't have an opinion i just think it's not your place you and i think do. also there are bigger bigger issues that you should take up on your back such as what is happening to the men around you what is happening in their life what is happening to the men in your generation Mm, because mm. they will listen to you more than they would listen to a woman yeah the same way oftentimes those relationships can become perverted like you said the idea that having a mother is enough yeah you you can't raise a man do you get what i mean and that sentiment is not just your spouse or the person who you're in a relationship with you can raise your son but that's your son. How does your son become a man? That's based off his perception of other men. If you don't address that, your, you. your son will easily become the apple of your eye. But what you can't see is that apple is rotten. And what you will refuse oh, to see Courtney. is that apple is rotten. Don't even get And me that's started. how you get mummy's boys. Boys who misbehave everywhere else, especially to the women who are not their mothers, but their mothers cannot take notice of it. And their mothers can't check them. And, the and funny their mothers thing is, cannot hold the them The mother will always find issue with everything else. Everyone else. But not the especially son. Especially 
Because if there, if there's one thing a mother whose whose son is her husband is gonna do is hate his spouse. Yeah, she's going to hate his girlfriend, uh, wife, mother of his children. And that's how you get demonic mother-in-laws. Mm. Anyway, they're all mad. Because it's jealousy. And like we were talking about with um, parentification, Mm. if your child is your spouse, your spouse cannot have another spouse. And that will breed what? Envy, resentment, anger. Yeah, some of you got to take your moms to to therapy. There you you go. There you go. And I think I'm not a man, so I can't speak on this, but that's something that should really be delved into. Like people should deep into that. Sorry, people should dive into that and really explore, even if my initial feelings towards my mother is one of sentiment and love, let's dig beneath the surface. Mm. What did I also see her model to me about women, Mm. especially if you're a man? Boy, that would stop a, first of all, misogyny in its tracks. In its tracks. Because I love the point that you were talking about insofar as accountability. There's so many men out there that have grown up without any means of accountability, yeah. both in the form of other men, but also yeah. other women. Yes. Because they haven't taken seriously any of their mother's complaints yeah. or their mother has never complained. So to hear a complaint come from a woman's <laughs> mouth, my mama never complained. What are you talking, what are you talking about? about? My mama said that was fine. Yeah. And that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem. Yeah. Um. So I like, we definitely need to inspect what was our relationship like with our mothers mm. and also thinking about like, how can we uproot a lot of these dysfunctional mental representations that we have of women mm. as a result of our relationship with our mothers? Because mm. if we don't, then we will be perpetrators of cyclical um, replication. 100%. We will keep on repeating the cycle. We 100%. will find as like, as women, we will find men and normalize abuse towards us because yes. that's what we've seen our mother take. Yes. Or at the very, very, very opposite end of the spectrum, we will in some way become abusive. Yes. That's also another thing. If you've seen, all 100%. you've seen your mother do is critique your father, critique your family, mm. just have negative things to say. Mm. As much as many of us love to say, I'm never going to become my mother. You better check yourself. You better check yourself because if that's what you've been exposed to for the formative years of your life. Willpower alone is not enough enough. to determine what it is you will and will not not become. Your intentions, as well-meaning as they may be, are not enough to determine the course of your life. Mm -hmm. It actually requires so much action, so much work. Internally, it's work. You need it's to. not just good. You need will. an intervention. You need an intervention. These mental representations, and this is why we always recommend, obviously, therapy, but also some of the books that we've mentioned before. Mm. Um, it didn't start with you, yeah. and then a book that I'm really, really excited about. Um, I think it's like the body take the body takes score. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really exciting. Yeah. You need to actually have an intervention either by yourself or with somebody else to actually recognize these patterns lest they continue because mm. they will. I don't care how much you can say that you are the most, you are the strongest person ever. You will have your down days yeah. and God help the people that meet you on your this down days. God actually it. help them. So take the time to do the Really, work. really take the time. And oh goodness, one caricature that 
was kind of encompassed mm-hmm. in some of the ones that we've spoken about, but I think it's very, very relevant to a lot of women today mm-hmm. is the narcissistic mother. Mm. So the one that lives vicariously through you and your choices, <gasps> the one that is completely overbearing when it comes to anything that you're doing in yeah. your life, the one that you're always arguing with, you're yeah. butting heads with, the one that is trying to live a second life through yes. you. First of all, again, debilitating confidence levels. You are the the girl that is like, you know, your mom is going to pop off at certain mm. things or you just feel like you're constantly being watched. You're constantly mm. being told what to do. You can't go to her with emotional problems yeah. because she would just question, well, if you are my kid, why should you why? be dealing with these kind of things? So yeah. many women are dealing with anxiety, depression. Um, and this is, as a result, this leads to high functioning anxiety. anxiety and depression. It leads to a lot of you being emotionally unavailable yeah. and then repeating the cycle with your kids because yes. you didn't have the opportunity to express your emotions and get who you and are, get, get who you are yeah. and live your life as you want to the first time around. 100%. And it's such a poisonous cycle because yeah. the more that you actively go through that in your own lifetime, mm. the more that you're going to project on your kids when mm. you have them or project on the people around you or um, whatever. Yeah. You start to live vicariously through them. If yeah. you had a controlling mother who was also narcissistic, you'll find yourself also controlling your spouse. You'll yeah. find yourself dictating and giving advice unwarranted to your friends yes. because you didn't check that mental representation yeah. of maternal figurehood. In fact, we even need mm. to take it a step back and inspect what does maternal mean and look like as it is represented in my mind? Mm. Do I have a healthy understanding of what maternal love looks this like? Is it. Because again, that insidious link between womanhood and motherhood yes. means that we never get to actually talk about it. What this does being a mother look like? And how is that distinctive from being a woman and a wife? In general, and that's, we see motherhood so intrinsically linked, like you said, to womanhood mm-hmm. that we don't inspect, am I actually prepared for this? Am I ready for this? And am I ready to step into that role? Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. see it not as a role external to us, but something that will naturally come out of Absolutely. us. So whilst I believe in the kind of the instinctiveness, like mother's intuition and yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah cool. But there are actually things you need to heal from and work towards and do in preparation to become this new character, yeah. this new yeah. role. It's like a job role. It is. You, are you prepared? Have you got the qualifications? And it's not to say you'll ever be ready because the uniqueness of your child means that mm. this journey is going to be something that you will never be able to fully prepare for. However, there are things that you can learn and unlearn especially from the example of parenting that you've had in your life, whether that be from your mother or your father. And I think what's also very interesting is when you have a a narcissistic parent, the expectations of perfectionism can extremely be, can be extremely debilitating. And Mm. like you said, it's either you internalize that and you walk through kind of with that crippled sense of if I'm not perfect, I'm not good enough. Or you expect that of other people. And so I kind of wanted to talk about lastly, breaking that cycle because mm. i think a lot of people the question now becomes okay I've, I've acknowledged all of these pains these traumas these dysfunctional things that i have witnessed and experienced how do i end that cycle and i think what's important to 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 realize is it's not always about burning a bridge or yeah. not giving anybody access to you again but in acknowledging these things there will need to be a laying of boundaries mm. there will need to also be um deep internal work that needs to take place, especially where you ex- when you ex- inspect the things that are 
traditional to you or simply culturally accepted the things that you assume to be normal yeah you need to inspect those things the things that you have normalized um but also going to therapy might actually be a reason a thing that could help you because i i think i love that the books you mentioned um it didn't start with you and the body keeps school i think those are really amazing good books to Mm. read from this and also the podcast that i've been listening to Mm. and i mentioned a couple weeks ago yeah yeah. yeah, called um the place we find ourselves these kind of resources or actually going to a licensed therapist who understands relationships and family and family dynamics can actually help you dig to the root of what it is that you are feeling yeah and this is one of the biggest things i had to confront in therapy because i have family stuff has really obviously like it does with all people shaped who i am today and unfortunately when those things are dysfunctional you can also find yourself in a very dysfunctional situation towards yourself and the people you love such as your friends and your partners yeah and so I went to therapy. I actually used BetterHelp. And BetterHelp is one of our partners here at Two My Sisters. And we would highly recommend if you are looking for affordable and accessible therapy to visit betterhelp.com forward slash to my sisters. Listen, sisters, even if you're going to do it for a short period of time just to test it out, you are yeah. worth that investment if you can afford it, of course. Take that time for yourself to really confront any issues that you may have especially towards the primary caregivers in your life whether they were present or absent but talk to us more about what it looks like to end that cycle how to end generational cycles family trauma all of that jazz i think first of all recognizing that some of your normal patterns are not normal Mm -hmm. is key (laughs) so again going back to this idea of mental representation subconscious Mm. representations i love the fact that you said subconscious because a lot of these things are not conscious yeah we don't actively do the work and we've spoken about this in a lot of our other episodes insofar as keeping a log and Mm. keeping a score and getting feedback as to the way that you behave around certain people Mm. having those conversations as well with your primary caregiver where you can one of the things if you can if you can i know that some of the sisters your butt hurt i know that you know you've gone through a lot of trauma Mm. but if you can and where you can and where it's safe to do Mm. so i would definitely having encourage having those conversations with your mother and actually articulating yourself, especially yes. if you are a bit older as well, yes. because that tends to make it easier for some reason, because your mother can now see you as a woman and 100%. not a child. But also not from a place of attack. Yeah. Do not go in. At, I you think just hurt me. Generally, yeah, generally, when it comes to communication, do not go in on the offense, going to point fingers and acute, like yeah, yeah, with an yeah. accusatory tone. Yeah. It's more so about exploring your mother or your father is a complex human being. Hundred. I think one thing that has helped me as I've gotten older is trying more so to understand my parents' stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sure. I think that helps you actually put the pieces together a bit better. Exactly. Especially if the pieces that you've had growing up through your childhood, through your uh, your upbringing, have been negative ones. It's really sometimes cathartic to get the missing pieces that actually make these this dysfunction make a bit more sense because you have a better picture Mm -hmm. so i think it's more so start exploring your parent as a person rather than trying to attack these specific incidents that happen because those incidents exist within the context they 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 exist within the context of your parent's story um their history their culture 
their experiences even with their own parents and sometimes we don't know that because yeah. those are stories yeah. that often go untold exactly this literally exactly what i was thinking so when you do have the capacity to actually engage with your parents try to engage with them as people mm. ask them for their side of the story yeah. ask them about their life really take an interest in them because for a lot of our parents for a really long time because they've had to assume this identity of parent, it can be very difficult for them to hear when they've done something wrong. Mm. It's like, I've given my everything into this role. How mm. could you possibly tell me that this is wrong? Mm. Never go in with the offensive. Sorry. Never go in with the defensive and ready to also attack, but go in with the intention of trying to understand yeah. why they've done certain things yeah. or what has, you know, basically predated a lot of their actions because then you can actually identify cycles as well entirely maybe you know talking and about oftentimes you will find cycles precisely some of your mothers are super overly critical because growing up in the 1940s 50s 60s whatever they had to deal with that from their mother too and they mm. thought it was normal or you might find you know they have also been through abuse so that yeah. them being overprotective is actually yeah. symptomatic or a response to that yeah. so really trying to figure out okay cool where did this cycle start? Maybe yeah. it didn't start with you. So let's understand. Let's take it a step back where you can, because that will also aid your understanding as to, ah, this isn't something that, you know, she's not just being an evil person, mm. but there's actually an existence outside of them being a parent and actively wanting to hurt you. Mm. Because I think a lot of us can read our parents' actions. And this is not to absolve any parents that are actually actively abusive. Yeah. There's, there's no abuse. You need to call child line. You need to call the police. Please do. Um, I don't care if they're your parents. I don't care if they're your blood relation yeah, or you carer. You yourself. need to call, yeah, you need to re remove yourself from that situation. But sometimes it's good to give, um, or it's good to find context as to why they've behaved a certain way that they do towards you in the minor things or the yes. less um, emotionally and physically taxing stuff. Yeah. If they have been actively emotionally or physically abusive to you to the point where it's actually unsafe to do so mm, don't do that you need, you need to go to therapy yeah. or you need to find trusted friends and advisors to actually confide in 100%. that's another thing that i would recommend practically where you can if you have really really close friends mm. actually speaking to them about your trauma is actually mm. really handy we have we've spoken about them so so much but we have a close group of girlfriends where we talk about a lot of stuff everything it <laughs> is a lot everything we offload onto each other and it's actually yeah. really helpful and handy yeah. because we can talk and we can cross-examine each other because some of us may have gone through similar experiences mm. other of us may have gone through different experiences so we actually have reference points yeah. within our group as well yeah so you know what does it look like when you do have a narcissistic mother or yeah. someone that's you know um trying to be over friendly you can actually cross-examine and talk about okay cool what does healthy look like mm. for our generation and mm. hold each other accountable too yeah so if you do have yeah. like have the privilege of having other women that you can talk to about your experiences with your mother, I would definitely recommend that because you can really, really, there's so much work that can be done Honestly. when you um, leverage the power of female communities. Mm. Um, they're not therapists at no. all by any means, and but there make, is something. And, uh, that's what I was going to say, even in context to our friendship circle, yeah. it is welcomed, 100. right? You actually need to make sure people give consent to yeah. you and let yeah. you know, I do want to be present in this part of your healing because it can be a very emotionally taxing and laborious For to sure. be somebody's um, 
soundboard and yeah. to, to be a part of that journey for them so actually have that explicit conversation with your friends this is something that I have been through don't have to go into detail but I'm having some issues you know mummy issues I have daddy issues mm. are you happy for me to talk to you about these things and process it with you and I'm also happy to be that person for you. It's also reciprocal. For sure. That's what we have. And nobody's here just, I've been through all of this and everyone's like, girl, we don't care. We're not, we do. we're, we're trying not to trying up. to, my mind is not here. And you know what? Sometimes that can happen where, yeah. you know, someone will come and be like, yo, all this here's my, stuff. here's my deep stuff. And sometimes we're like, girl, <laughs> park the deep stuff for next Tuesday. <laughs> we have, we, we've actually scheduled it for next Tuesday. Or, Today we turn up. Or I've also got so much emotional stuff happening to me that I, I don't need your stuff on top of it, mm. you know? And that's actually a very fair place to be. I'm going through so much right now that I can't, I can't even be helpful to you if you tell me all this stuff. And it is not helpful for me for sure. to hear all of this stuff because it may be triggering. It may be, um, I may be extremely empathetic and now I'm just like, I can't even, I'm crippled by your own pain. Yeah, so you've that. got to make sure that your friends are also emotionally strong enough to be able to handle that. Mm-hmm. And that can also come by you being emotionally present and supportive for there them. There you go. And that's why we also have a group. So if one person yes. is unavailable, yes. somebody else will be around. Or, you know, and I think sometimes we often, obviously the focus of like our conversation and our podcast is the fact that we are best friends, Mm. but the fact that we also have a group of really, really close female friends that we can equally like, there's times where I know that I cannot go to Courtney because Courtney (laughs) is dealing with a lot of stuff right now. And it's not necessarily, I can't Mm. go because she will always welcome me, but it's me actually being cognizant enough to understand that I know she's dealing with this right now. Let me play the supportive role here. And then I'll speak to my other friend about this in this particular instance. That is why community... And then she'll let me know at another time. Precisely. That's why community is so, so important because it means that you have a wealth of people. And I know we've normalized this whole, you know, do it by yourself or like, oh, I've only got like one or two close friends. There's like, oh, what do I do when my two friends, only friends that I have, you know? And it's like, (laughs) why do you only have two friends? friends. You need more. (laughs) Um, So making sure that you actually have a community around you or taking the steps to develop a community of people Mm. around you that you can go to Mm. is super, super important in terms of dealing particularly with maternal dysfunction because as we said earlier women understand women in a way that you know no one else can no one can (laughs) no one can can. and I know there's so much around you know being competitive and women being all Mm. sorts of you know the b word episode coming soon it's coming sooner than you think (laughs) um but in overcoming listen we're going to be the next generation of mothers let's all come together and talk about and set a standard for motherhood. Let's do that together. As opposed to you creating it in isolation or creating it off the back of what a man wants. Oh, heaven forbid. (laughs) Let's all come together as women and decide what does the Mm. new standard of motherhood look like? Mm. Even for you sisters that are listening in right now, you're part of that process with us. What does a good, healthy standard of motherhood look like in our generation? What does it look like to actively develop into that functionality? And for those of you sisters that are tuning in that are either new mothers, you've been mothers for a while, share your knowledge, share your experiences. What worked? What didn't work? What are you struggling with? Where can we support you? Mm. That's why these female ecosystems are so important. So we can hold each other accountable and we can decide what that looks like for us internally before we go and face the world. So So really, really invest in those female communities, invest in those ecosystems because they're where you will draw strength from 
even in dealing that's your village if we exactly if we are going to uproot generational trauma it takes a generation to do that so maybe oh, we should stand up and be the generation that, that does that word. like w- the reason why we call tms a community a nation the reason why we want this to grow into a big thing is because we can't do this me and courtney can't do this alone nope. we can do this for maybe our families but even yes. then we, we need a reference point yes so even you investing in something like TMS, investing in female communities is so important because it took a generation to break something down. It's going to take a generation to, to build it back yeah. up. So get it together, ladies. Ooh, use the people around on, you. Renee. Sorry, I was really like... No, go on. Like, use the people around yeah. you. Use the women around you. Like, let's start to develop these healthy functional relationships with our female friends so that we can now define what womanhood looks like Mm. for us. And the the brokenness that we've had within female communities, the competition and all of that kind of stuff that we're going to dig into in the next episode, right? We need to overcome that because if we Mm. don't deal with the internal problems, then it's the external standard that will be set for us in the next generation. Mm, so mm-hmm. no wonder men have been stating their preferences and women have been internalizing it because you don't have a standard or a community or a generation to reference or a back woman's to. Voice. You need a woman's voice. Is it? You, you need, need a woman's you need voice. that. You need a village of women. Come Anyways, on. let me stop sharing. No, spot on. It. Spot on. Bro. What an amazing way to end this episode. Like it's we need a generation of women. Yeah. Guys, get it together. <laughs> and we're here to help you do Yo. that. We're here to help you do that. TMS is the community for you, if that's sat with you in any way. So definitely, definitely, if you haven't already, subscribe, follow the podcast. God, you should. Join this community. Let us evolve, glow and grow together. together Helping man. one another. Being a village for Together. one another, okay? Um, so shout out to all the mothers out there. Come on. Shout out to all the fathers. We are pre- Since we've done daddy issues and mother sure. issues now. Shout out to all the family members and the parents and the parental figures who are trying. We know that you don't always get it right. And we're trying to create a room to have grace for you by acknowledging that you didn't get it right. Yeah. But I'm trying to understand your story. And I can do so with the help and the emotional support of these sisters around me. So if you haven't already subscribed and followed the podcast, please, please do that for more content like this, but also to be around women who can support you in this journey. More ways will be coming. We are expanding. We are trying. Just support us so that we can get there faster and quicker. Okay. (laughs) But also, if you have thoughts about today's episode, as always, you can drop a comment or you can come over to Instagram and talk to us over at at to my sisterhood girls we are nearly at 10k go and hit that follow button please drop it i know loads of you guys are on the gram so go and do that (laughs) um but also if you want to say hi to us individually you can come and say hello to this amazing woman who has schooled us today let me move my listen let me move my bag this intelligent beautiful (laughs) well-spoken eloquent spirit-filled human over here stop it (laughs) who i absolutely love definitely go and listen and read more of what it is she does at my best friend renee kapuku and if you want to come and say hi to me at cd boating but sisters before we even before i even pass on to you girl share the podcast that's right share the podcast with 
share it with your mum. Why not? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Why yep, not yep, share it yep, with your yep, mum? Because yep. she may be dealing with mummy issues. There we go. Like we said, generational stuff. But also share it with another sister, a friend, a co-worker, whoever it may be. Just open up your WhatsApp or just hit that share button and send it to somebody you care about and who you think should hear and get plugged into the sisterhood. Absolutely. Oh, girl, you know that little uh, outro to me? You know what it felt like? You know what? when... Um, Somebody is trying to intro like, you know, their husband or something where <laughs> their like friend is like on the Grammys or something. I know this uh, this person is has been really important to my development. And I just want to say thank you. That's what that felt like. So I love you, ma'am. Um Yeah, and we also have something very, 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 very special coming on October twenty-third, twenty twenty one. I think by now you ladies might know exactly what it is. And I hope there's still space for you if you already know. <laughs> Not you cackling over there. <laughs> oh my gosh. But to celebrate a wealth of things that we're doing at TMS from 500,000, half a million plays. What? You guys are listening, listening? Downloads. That's crazy. Madness. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> Not to mention the hitting the 20k subby It's all getting crazy around here. I guess we're really becoming a generation. Wow. But we are also hosting our very <clears throat> first <clears throat> live event. It's not just a show because there's actually multiple shows within it. Live event on October 23rd, 2021. So make sure that you cop your tickets. Don't right you? here in London town. Yeah. I know so many of you are international. We yeah, have global man. Sisters. And we will be coming to a city near you, okay? Oh, very soon. By God's grace. <laughs> so... <laughs> If you are here in our home city of That's London, right. you better definitely come, say hi. come and say hi to us. You can also join the conversation on the Twitters <laughs> at To My Sisterhood. And you can also join the mailing list for exclusive, all those bits and pieces. And our weekly message of glowing and growing woo, woo, straight woo. to your inbox at www.tomysisters.com. Yeah. Guys, it's been a privilege. It has. Talking to all the mothers out there, the sisters, even the brothers. I know some of you guys be in your little week yeah. listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> we hope that this episode blessed you yeah. and we hope that this has triggered something mm. in you enough that you're ready to start challenging those mental representations start doing the work and start laying the foundation for the next generation yes. of healthy parental child yeah. relationships but we'll catch you in another episode very very soon tray tray soon but until then you already know what we finna say eh? keep glowing and growing Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 